Uh, hey everyone, it's Russ, and welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. Uh, today, I am super excited to have Dr. Travis Perry on uh, uh, on the podcast with us. Uh, Travis and I were introduced by a mutual acquaintance here uh, a few months back, and have had an opportunity to, to chat and get to know each other. I thought, uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, many of which we'll cover here in our conversation, that uh, that Travis would be a great. Uh, person and uh, subject matter expert to, uh, to bring into the conversation uh, and maybe tie some of his um, experience and expertise into uh, retirement planning. So, uh, Travis, welcome. Uh, glad you could join us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Why don't, uh, why don't we start by uh, you just kind of introducing yourself, telling, uh, telling our listeners, listeners a little bit about who you are and, um, and what it is you do. Yeah, for sure. So like, like Russ, I used to be a financial advisor and I really enjoyed helping um, my clients with a wide variety of financial planning needs, you know, kind of whole, very holistic. And as I was doing that, I realized <laughs> the business owner, we really struggle in this industry, don't we Russ, with balance and with keeping things, you know, very organized. We've got so many clients we want to help. Uh, it's very easy to get lost in the work and the minutia of the work and helping because we, we really enjoy that client interaction, right? I always joke with advisors that, you know, if <laughs> we like money, we like numbers. If we didn't like relationships, we'd be accountants, you know, so it, <laughs> we enjoy that interaction as you do. And so I've, I've noticed that that kind of gets us into what I discuss in my book, Achieving Balance, um, something called the workaholic trap. And so I've also seen this other, you know, other industries, not just in financial planning, but other businesses, business owners um, who struggle with that. Um, but also, you know, I, and I write in the book that uh, the book isn't just for financial advisors, but it's for anyone, even a homeschooling mom of six can apply these principles to bring better balance to one's life. So no matter what, um, you know, your financial situation, your employment situation, uh, these are principles of setting goals, using your time wisely to achieve those goals and keeping it balanced. So you mentioned a couple of things there, uh, all of which I want to, you know, circle back to. Uh, one of which uh, you you used in as as an example a homeschooling mom of six, and uh, as I understand it, that uh, that hits kind of close to home for you because your wife, uh, you and your wife have six kids, all, all of whom are homeschooled. Isn't that is that is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and I that was my plug for her, right? My wink and a nod when she read through that <laughs> is that you know these these are principles that anyone can really apply uh, in any you know walk of life. Well, yeah, and I I can only imagine having six kids um, is a challenge in and of itself. But then homeschooling all of them, I I I, I suspect you can really speak to the challenges and uh, what works in terms of achieving and maintaining. Uh, balance, uh, you know, having lived it and continuing to live it uh, every single day. Um, you mentioned uh, your book, which was just published recently. Could you talk a little bit about that? And, and maybe we can dive a little bit more into kind of the meat of it in our, uh, in our conversation. Yeah, for sure. So we published uh, Achieving Balance last year, and we had a great time rolling this out. It's uh, really designed to help explain the method. Uh, I call it the make time method. 
um, to achieving your business and personal goals for achieving, you know, your purpose in life in both areas. And, you know, it's really, it's a guide. It's a system. So many people have tips and tricks and hacks on how to manage your time better and not be so scattered and disorganized. And uh, this is really a step-by-step, 12-step formula that helps uh, anyone really to create an ideal calendar and put that into place that's all based on their goals and their values. Now, it's not Travis's eight baby steps, no offense to Dave Ramsey, uh, but this is not me telling you how to live your life. This is you taking what you want to do and applying it to a system um, and then having you know the concept of the accountability at the end. How, how do you stay accountable to this so you don't just fall off the wagon, which is something that I've spent a lot of time researching and hence uh, why I got the PhD. Well, and I, um, you know, this podcast is Women's Retirement Radio. So there's a thread of, um, you know, application to retirement and retirement planning through, you know, everything we talk about with guests like you. And in my experience, and and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Travis, in my experience, a lot of people, I think, think of retirement as like, you know, basically limping across the finish line because they're so burnt out with work. Um, they, you know, work is just, uh, for, for many, certainly not all, uh, is really just become the literal grind. Um, and I suspect a, a, a part, maybe a big part of that is that maybe they don't have a good sense of balance that, you know, work is crept into other parts of their life, or, um, they haven't really done a good job of prioritizing, uh, the other, uh, the other important things or activities or people in their life. Uh, and so that maybe they've gotten out of balance. So what I suspect um, and, and you can correct me if I'm if, if I'm off base here. Is if people were to achieve and maintain a better sense of balance in their life, um, maybe they would uh, be able to uh, work longer if if that's something that's of interest to them, or uh, maybe they would be in a position to retire, but then do something else that they find more fulfilling or rewarding, whether that's work or volunteering or spending more time with family. So, um, in your experience, Travis, regarding re- regarding balance. Um, in people's work lives, kind of in the context of thinking about and planning for retirement, would you say that, you know, balance or lack thereof could contribute to people's, you know, desire to really kind of get out of the quote unquote rat rat race? Yeah, I think there's a, a really great conversation that could have about that topic for sure. And it always brings me back to, you know, what our goals are. If the goal is to get out and be more free and have more financial freedom, uh, and you've been able to save that and invest it and then get out of the rat race, absolutely 100%. Um, So it really just always will come down to individuals' goals. What are your goals? Have Have you looked at what those goals are related to? And are you carrying out your financial plan based on on those goals. And I go, I take a step further and talk about values. Values is a, is a term that is kind of getting brushed under the rug uh, lately because it connotes, you know, so many things and, and people don't want to talk about them, but I think it's crucial in financial planning, um, especially, you know, as you're taking your clients through this process and, and uh, you know, values are close to them they are able to see where their money is really going to and how it's it's funding how does how does the the retirement fund um, prepare them for 
you know, meeting that end of day? Are they structuring their, their retirement so that they are, you know, living their life on purpose? Are they doing the things they want to be doing? Um, just the other day I was at, and this is kind of a quick example. I was at the, the store and I had recently moved from, from, uh, Northern Utah. We went to Texas. We lived there for five years and we came back and I saw this woman working, um, at the counter. Uh, and you know, I re- recognized her and I said, Oh my goodness, it's been years. Like you're, you're still working here. She said, yeah, you know, my life circumstances have changed and I actually retired and I came back and I, you know, I didn't get into the, all the details. It just said hi, but it left me thinking, man, what, what, what were her goals? What were her life aspirations? And she did tell me that her husband passed away and that they weren't planning for this. And I thought, gee, here's, here's somebody who really fell short on the things that she wanted to do. And not that working's bad, that she didn't want to be there anymore. She was happy. She was delightful. She's a wonderful person. But I could tell that she was just kind of like, yeah, circumstances have changed. And and, you know, it's really hard not to wonder. I didn't pass the judgment, but it's hard to wonder um, what their planning was. And were they planning for contingencies in those plans to get her there? And, and now her work-life balance is turned upside down because of most likely the lack of planning. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you brought up the topic of values. That's something that I have written about and communicate a lot with my clients around um, because I think the, I think having a, an understanding and acknowledgement of our values can really serve as a solid foundation for making decisions about, you know, what's important to us. How do we spend our time? Who do we, who do we spend our time with all, all of which you just touched on? So, uh, so I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the other, the other thing that I could maybe see, your thoughts around balance having an application to with regards to retirement. Clearly people can make the best laid plans and, you know, they, they rarely, if ever work out according to plan, if you will, Um, you know, the story you just shared about your, uh, your friend kind of illustrates that uh, I think pretty poignantly. Um, But I, I think also maybe a lack of balance could also carry into potentially carry into retirement because, you know, I, I, I've encountered people that are, that are just so burned out that, you know, they're not really, they're not so much thinking about retiring to something. They're, they're really just trying to get out of work or get out of their routine or get out of the grind. But I can also imagine uh, people that do retire and now this, you know, eight, sometimes 10, sometimes more hours of day that they were spending at work or doing work uh, is now gone. So now they have this vacuum in their life and maybe they didn't take the time to uh, achieve balance and find other things or other pursuits that they find uh, fulfilling or ways to spend their time. And so um, I'm curious, have you experienced uh, people that have actually gone through the transition of retirement, but still, uh, but still find uh, balance a challenge even when they're not working full-time? You know, what, is it Parkinson's law? It talks about, you know, the time that we have allotted to us, we will use for a certain project or uh, the the space that's, you know, a lot of we will use up. I think that principle is so true because I know so many who have retired and are busier than when they were working, 
right? <laughs> now work's not in their way. Now they're accomplishing all these things and they've got programs and tasks. And, you know, I know many who, you know, do like grandma and grandpa camp and, you know, they're staying connected with their family, which is awesome. Um, and, you know, it's, it's possible, it's possible that they may be, you know, getting out of balance. Um, but I think th this kind of begs the question of like what the definition of balance is. Everybody has a different definition. I've interviewed over 200, uh, business owners and financial advisors. And they tell me all, you know, is it's more integration or harmony, or it's not doing, you know, everything at once. And I've come to the conclusion that the first myth of balance in the book that I outlined is balance is not doing it all at the same time. It's focusing on your highest priorities. So it may very well be, Russ, that when um, women are retiring, they're able to finally get to those things that are, you know, more priority. And maybe they have a greater sense of balance. Um, what I've seen actually more is that um, not only are they filling up their, you know, their time with these other things and they could be off balance, but it's it's likely that the person they are now turning into at retirement, okay, and this is a very real issue, the person they're turning into at retirement is like, wow, I lost my identity with my job, um, you know, male or female. And the, you know, if married, couples look at each other and go, well, who are you? <laughs> now we have all this time together. Um, you know, and if they haven't been building that relationship to that point, yet the relationship is a high priority, they get to this point in time where, um, you know, it's been called gray divorce, where you see a high rate of those um, who are now retired getting divorced because their values aren't aligned and their goals aren't similar anymore. And it kind of grew out of love. Um, I call it growing out of love. People call it falling out of love. We don't fall into love. It's an action. So we, you grow out of love um, in this in this phase. And uh, it was actually highlighted to me, the Bill and Melinda Gates, you know, divorce. That's brought up a lot of great divorce questions. Here's people, you know, they, they've got millions. They've got billions. They're actually trying to give it away. Um, <laughs> yet uh, they've, they really have grown apart. And I find that as one of the most serious issues of this time, which does have financial implications. It does have financial planning consequences. Yeah. And I, um, I, um, unfortunately have, have, you know, seen a lot of my clients that I've gotten introduced to or referred to, um, have gone through great divorce. They're in their fifties, sixties, sometimes older, um, getting divorced after 25, 35 or more years of marriage. And, um, it, it can be, you know, talk about a, a plan that did not uh, did did not did not not un, unfurl the way you kind of thought it would. I mean, that can really, you know, throw a wrench in in what in how you thought your you know your later later years were gonna gonna play out. Um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned one myth um, in the book. Um, what other what other myths about um, about balance uh, have you addressed in your writing, Travis? I appreciate the question. Um, there are really three main myths. The first one, you know, balance is not doing it all. It's working on, you know, your highest priorities. And we kind of touched on that a little bit. Number two is that, you know, working, non-working doesn't matter. If you 
um, don't you know um, manage your time well, you tend to turn towards productivity. I just need more productive. I need to get more stuff done. I need to cross things off my task list, right? Whether at home or work, the the you know ever consuming idea of I just need to cross stuff off and 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 uh, be done with those boxes of things to do can really bog people down. So they turn to productivity. And I was there too. I actually used to train um, other business owners, financial advisors on productivity. And it was kind of hailed as the holy grail at the time. And I found that productivity is actually not the magic pill that it's sold. Um, There's so many systems out there to teach more productive and how to use your time more effectively. And so we cram more and more in. Yet the reality is if we don't have boundaries, and we don't set time for breaks and for our health and these other areas of our life, then productivity alone can just make someone a more productive workaholic. And that can be, again, at home, at work, wherever you're at, regardless of situation. Um, that principle is true that you run around with your head chopped off 24-7. You never feel accomplished, no matter how much you check off. If you don't celebrate if you don't give your break, you know, time for breaks, take care of your own health, spend time with the people that you love, then what are we doing all of these things for? So that's 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 really um, myth number two, and I'd love to you know see what you think about that before we move on. Yeah, you know, I um, hearing you explain myth two, something that came to my mind, which I'd love to get your reaction to, but I, you know, I think about just the proliferation and advancements in technology, like Moore's law and the increasing uh, capabilities of like microchips and things like that, computers, um, all of the, whether you kind of put it under the umbrella of productivity. I mean, I think that, I think that we have increasing capability over the last 15, 20, 25 years through, you know, um, you know, computers and technology um, advancements and innovation yet, um, on balance, I don't see people taking more time off. Um, I, in fact, I've, I've read studies that in the U.S. people continue to take less time off each year, like don't even take a, a two-week vacation throughout the course of a calendar year. So um, hearing you talk about you know, productivity not being as all it's cracked up to be, not being the silver bullet, I was actually thinking like, you know, as a society, I, I'm, I'm amazed that we don't, um, we don't seem to be benefiting from um, from the collective productivity gains that we should all have, you know, be uh, been benefiting from regarding technology and things like that. So has that been your, has that been your observation as well? Yeah, I think tech is great. Like I love tech. <laughs> I've got the latest iPhone. I've got, you know, an iMac in front of me that these things cost thousands of dollars and, um, it's wonderful technology and there's so much software. There's so much, um, you know, hardware I'm, I'm wearing my, you know, Apple watch. I'm not trying to give a commercial for Apple, but give me a break. Like there's so much stuff out there that we utilize. I know as financial advisors, you know, <laughs> FinTech is huge, but then, you know, for anyone or the consumers, those who are, you know, benefiting from this technology um, and the productivity technology that's out there, to help us be more productive, what I get a lot from people is overwhelm, just sheer overwhelm. 
And so I'm, I'm big on trying to stick with um, hardware that's the same and software. Like I use Microsoft software, the suite for Outlook, Word, PowerPoint, um, you know, all, all, all of those things because they work together, right? And I use uh, Mac for my hardware for all my computers because they all sync together. Um, and, and I search on, you know, other search engines. But um, I think when we try to use like every single app, every single new tech that comes out, it can get time consuming just to try to keep up and overwhelming to the consumer because there's too many options, right? You go to a really good restaurant, doesn't matter how good it is, and people rave and rave and rave about it. But if you show up and you don't know what to eat because there's too many options, you may give up and go someplace else. <laughs> yeah. And I think, honestly, that's I think that's where we're at right now, Russ, is just we're overwhelmed with the amount of tech that's trying, air quotes, to help us save time that we end up you know, buying a $1,200 phone and we never read the manual. Um, we just jump on and try to, you know, play with it and take pictures and do the things that we think it's done and, and uh, you know, and call people and text or whatever. But um, we underutilize the tech that we already have. Good grief. You know, the more, you know, that we keep coming out with like 3D technologies and, and, um, other things that are coming our way with AI, um, it's just going to continue to become overwhelming. I understand why older generations just say, eh, I'm not going to learn anything new. I just don't want to make the time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, again, kind of under this, uh, under this concept of uh, productivity is, is not necessarily the answer. Um, I, I, uh, I think a, um, you're right, and and that actually hits close to home because I'm a, I'm a little bit of a technology geek myself, and I, I like to, you know, check out the shiny new object app uh, software or whatever the case may be. But you know, I think acknowledging that there will all will, will always be a shiny new object around the corner speaks to the fact that we can't chase them all because then we're just always in chase mode and we're never in the in a position to actually benefit from the the stuff the tools the technology that we do have so uh, I think that's a great point um, and the other thing that comes to mind too which you mentioned earlier is um, I don't think productivity matters unless you have a really good sense of your values and what's important to you and what your priorities are because if you're able to to you know squeeze another few minutes or a few hours out of your day or your work week. Um, I think you need to first decide, well, you know, if you get some some time back, where do you want to spend that time? Do you want to spend it with your spouse, with your kids, with your church, uh, in the community, with your friends? Um, I think a lot of people just say, well, if I get an extra five minutes or an extra hour or an extra two hours, I can spend that doing more of what I'm doing without really taking a step back and, and looking critically at how they're spending their their time currently. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think we could probably speak for hours on each one of these, uh, each one of these myths, but, um, you've covered the first two myths. What's the, what's the third one that you, uh, that you address in the book? All right. So the third one is really kind of a, a bigger bomb than that. And it is that personal development is not the end all be all. So we start with, you know, really prioritizing our life, becoming more productive, but creating boundaries to keep us focused and having, you know, an ideal calendar and, and following some very 
basic principles of time management, um, which is all helpful and good. But what I found is I used to train, uh, you know, other business owners that I mentioned just in the productivity and, and, and the priority side. And found that if they didn't have great accountability, they'd often kind of fall off the wagon or go back to their old habits, so to speak. And when when they did that, I did some research and found that a lot of those who were kind of going back uh, was because they weren't having the coaching anymore. They didn't have the support. But then in addition to that, it was they didn't have very supportive um, family or home life or, or spouses. So the key... That I found to all this and keeping it in place is your spouse needs to be on board. Your spouse needs to understand the principles of balance, but then also support you in your effort to get there. Um, and it's it's really not this um, huge discovery because I think a lot of people, yeah, duh, Travis, you know that makes sense. If I want to change my diet, if I want to change my finances. You know, it really helps to have both of the spouses there. And Russ, I know you've experienced this with your own clients. It's hard if you're only working with one of the spouses, the other one's not all that involved, right? Yep. So so having them both on the same page is huge um, to being able to see it through. But long-term couple development that I introduce in the book, I introduced the term couple development. I wrote a, an ebook about it in 2010 when I discovered this concept. Uh, no one else has really written about it. No one really focused on it. And the idea of family development, kind of developing as a family has kind of gone by the wayside because of some political things. But I, I really am trying to bring couple development into the spotlight. That is personal development is great, especially Man, if that's if you're single, that's what you have. Right? You, you develop personally. Um, but when you're married and you have someone that you're committed to, then you know you have a partner that you're living with. Like there's a level of commitment there that um, makes you really have to look at your time because it's really not your own. You share that time with each other. You share space. You share resources. And being able to help each other not only is it helpful for you, but it's actually really good for the relationship. In fact, um, relationship, the best you know, researchers on relationship, the expert out there, Dr. John Gottman, um, has proven his theory of when couples are sharing goals and um, working to support each other on those, that they're happier. My dissertation work um, went a little bit further and said, what about the values, um, couples' values? When, when couples have the same values and goals, not only are they uh, doing better um, in their relationship, but they're actually happier psychologically. And for your audience, Russ, they do better financially. Um, so there is a, a big need to not only help each other to be balanced together, but continue on this path. If, if they're married and you know are living together, continue on this path to helping each other, being on the same team, sharing those values and goals um, so that that will continue to help um, the, uh, you know, workaholic tendent person to not go back to their old ways, but also move forward and achieving, you know, all these goals together. And I've got to believe that that also lays a, a healthy foundation to, um, to help a couple, you know, avoid the pitfalls that they might otherwise encounter where they maybe wind up in divorce court later in life because they've grown apart or they've been focused on career or focused on, 
you know, raising kids or whatever the case may be, I, I think, uh, or I would, I would imagine that what you're describing with this, um, this approach to couples growing, getting on the same page and growing together, holding each other accountable. Um, I would imagine that just provides a, like a really deep and beneficial foundation for the relationship itself. Um, let alone the fact that, you know, they can, you know, achieve better balance and, and things like that. So uh, I would, I would imagine, uh, tell, tell me what you think, Travis, but I would imagine that, um, you know, that, the benefits of this couples approach, not just to accountability and balance, but just uh, I, w- I would imagine it has far-reaching benefits throughout the the relationship and the the broader family. Is that is that fair to say? Very, yeah, and that's interesting because I was attacking it from that perspective, and I was trying to find out what makes. I was looking at a strengths-based approach to what makes really good couples really good. We tend in research, especially in family science, to focus on the problems. Divorce. Oh, well, you know, the first year is the hardest. And the first 10 years, if you can make it actually past seven, the average, you know, the age of of a marriage divorce is seven years. And, And we look at so much of like the reasons why things fail. But oftentimes we don't give enough, you know, kudos to those who have made it and look at the patterns of those people. And we call this, you know, a strengths-based research. And as I was doing a lot of the strengths-based research through my PhD experience, this is what I came to. And I discovered, and then I, it clicked because it made sense that when I was helping those workaholics who were really struggling with um, their behaviors and trying to fix this long-term, that they go through this boot camp that I'd have for them. They'd go through some coaching. And then as soon as we were done, I'd follow up with them 90, you know, 180 days later, only to find out that again, like I mentioned, they've kind of fallen off the wagon. So when I put those two together and I, I really made this discovery that involving the spouses where it's at, and I started to involve the spouses and once I experimented with um, couples and said, hey, yeah, I'm here to help you, but your spouse needs to be involved, it was like, oh, yeah, that's true. Like, that would really help. <laughs> and all the research started coming back as I, as I was working with real-life couples that um, you know, really proved the point of this theory. Uh, and, and then the research involved in it, the actual data that I have um, from, from surveying hundreds of, and thousands of couples that uh, shows us that yes, at least in America, married Americans who have the same goals and values do so much better. So it's got both the fixing a lot of the negative issues and focusing on values and goals, but also the the future of helping to achieve those things, which um, enables one to realize like, yeah, I don't need to continue to work um, so much that my accomplishments can be outside of work, not just there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I find that, I find that just fascinating. It, it almost creates this, like, uh, this, uh, virtuous cycle or loop where, um, you know, you're helping yourself by helping your spouse and you're helping your spouse by helping yourself, which I think is, um, is, is fantastic. Um, Travis, I, I know we've kind of talked around, um, a lot of what you do, we've kind of talked about it from the from the perspective of the three myths that you outline in your book. But um, to draw like a finer point on it, what would you what would you say is the biggest challenge that you help people address or solve through your writing and your work? 
think the biggest issue that I help solve is achieving goals. Um, people want balance, not because they want balance. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. Like uh, they feel balanced when they are achieving those things that are the most important to them. So for example, I know a lot of people who value their physical health or spiritual health as, you know, number one or number two, depending. Um, and so if we spend a, a ton of time uh, on everything else that we have to do in life, then we're going to end up, you know, uh, not punching the clock on those things that are super important, like working out, eating right, um, not stressing ourselves out. And, you know, that's kind of the physical health, but on the spiritual side, like serving people, becoming a better person, um, reading scriptures, going to church, like th those things that we know we should be doing if that's, you know, our definition of spiritual health, right? It might be different for everybody. I understand that. So when those are taken into an account and you're making achievements in those areas that are super important, you feel more purposeful and therefore you feel balanced. Um, so balance is really this natural, um, you know, effect of accomplishing the things that are most important in your life. So I really do believe that my mission is to help people achieve their goals and live their life on purpose. Um, the whole reason why I actually wrote this book, Russ, was because my father passed away at age 49. My mom was not prepared for this. Our family of eight was not prepared for this um, sudden change in everything. <laughs> it affected our family business. It affected um, so many, you know, relational things. And how, I old, became, how old were you at that time, Travis? I was 26 and I was a financial advisor and that was my first death claim. So having to process that and be at my own father um, I, you know, I explained it better in the introduction to the book, but I mean, I was just floored. I was absolutely floored. And as I wrote his obituary, this is when I really got thinking and, and it started changing my life a lot going, man, what if I only make it to 49? What if I only make it to 40? Like, am I going to leave an impact on the world, on my family? Are a thousand people going to show up to my funeral if they did my dad? Like, it just blew me away. That's all, you know, that's all I can really say. And I, I started writing this book 12 years ago after, you know, thinking about this concept from when my father passed away. And, and if we look back on our lives, um, as we get closer to the end, as we get to this retirement stage of life, like quite honestly, those highest things in, in our priority, they really go to the surface. They start coming to the surface and you start feeling stress about accomplishing those things and, and I, what, I will, what I will say is it's not just about accomplishing these goals, but it is about becoming a better person, about you know, achieving this, this lifelong purpose that you have. Um, and that's really, quite honestly, that is really where I feel I'm supposed to help others, everyone, to, to live that, that internal purpose, those values that really drive them to become the best person that they should be. And I know a moment ago, you, uh, you basically uh, characterized the biggest challenge you help people address is achieving their goals because goal achievement um, seems to go hand in hand with feeling balanced, um, feeling calm, uh, feeling happy. But uh, hearing you describe the story about your father's passing, um, 
it almost, it sounds to me like it, another layer or another facet of that is helping people minimize regret in life. Um, which is maybe just the, the other side of the same coin, but um, have you identified, have you, have you ever thought about it from that perspective or have you had that conversation with people you've worked with about not just, you know, doing the things that are important for you to achieve goals, things like that, but also making sure that you don't miss the opportunity to do the things that are important to you and maybe look back later in life or maybe not even have the chance to look back because you didn't get to do some of the things that are important to you. Yeah. And that is on my mind a lot. Um, while I, I, I see the example of my father, who I think really accomplished what he was supposed to do in his time. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people don't and they live with that regret and it causes a lot of stress. So I think one of the biggest things is, yeah, regret might be up there, but stress and stress may actually drive us right to, to, to worse health, kind of speed up the process. So in a way, I, I honestly think I'm, I, I'm helping people, um, to, to extend their life and to really live it on purpose, have a better quality of life, which is sometimes better than quantity, but I think also extending life by reducing stress and accomplishing the things that they need to in the areas that they should, um, can give them both satisfaction of both quantity and quality. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and I, and I think whether you look at it from achieving goals or reducing stress or minimizing regret, I mean, at the end of the day, all of those, I think it's fair to say, um, are going to lead to, uh, better balance, more happiness, um, you know, better relationships, um, all of which I, I think, uh, I think as a society, we could probably all do with a little bit more of these days. So I think that's, uh, I think that's important and great work. Um, Travis, I know you've worked over the years with business owners, uh, including many financial advisors, you've done research, things like that. Is there, um, is there a, like a favorite success story that comes to mind for you and the work that you've done with your clients over time where you, you maybe help them uh, make some progress, uh, find better balance, uh, you know, maybe reorient or uh, reprioritize some things in their lives? Great question, Russ. I appreciate that. Uh, I think one of my favorite stories is a guy named Raul. Raul is a financial advisor, but he's, he's getting to the retirement age. Um, and he's really wanting to scale back, but he's built his business and he's built his lifestyle such that it's really difficult for him. Um, working many more hours than than most people want to admit. Um, and so he started tracking. He didn't realize <laughs> how much he was actually not home, not doing the things he professed to believe in. Um, and his health was pretty, you know, he was suffering. Um, he really liked to travel though. That was a fascination of his. And, uh, he, he's, he, you know, traveled with his wife and his son, but, uh, a lot of the travel he did was so not present on his phone, checking email, um, working while he's gone. And I think this is where we suffer with a lot of this technology as we talked about before is it's not help keeping us present. Like getting rid of technology is sometimes the answer. <laughs> and, you know, as I started working with him, I've seen so much progress that uh, now, you know, the Euros, the, um, the Euro Cup, 
just was finished. He spent two weeks with his family, just going to the games in France and in, in England and uh, visiting family there in France. Um, and just really enjoying his time, not responding to email, not, you know, stressing out about his work. Um, just has had such a huge change in his life. I think he's dropped like 30 hours out of his work week. Right. And as we look at like Iceland talking about getting from 40 to 35 hours, like whoop de doo, five hour concept. Um, this is like, <laughs> you know, six times that amount, um, 30 hour drop in his, in his schedule so that now he's able to be there and focus on his health more and, uh, and spend time with his family and travel without the ever present stress of his work. Um, whatever it is for you, whatever it is that you're overworked on, um, you know, uh, whether it's your own business or, um, if you know, you're still working or you've got some commitments to serve in organizations, oftentimes if we aren't careful, um, it's not being present and enjoying those things that we truly miss out on. And in our day and age, again, with so much technology at our fingertips, uh, screens all day long, it can really be a huge challenge. Um, so being able to see him make this change has been absolutely thrilling for me. And the crazy thing is during that time period, his business has been more successful than ever before. Less time at work, more successful, right? <laughs> so really the time away and letting go of the control has, has really helped him to, you know, have a, have a much better, healthier and purposeful life. Well, and I'm curious, thanks for sharing that. Um, I, th I think stories are, are just such a great way for us to better kind of internalize some of these concepts. But in Raul's case, um, has, has his accomplishments in cutting down his, his average work week, traveling, unplugging from work, uh, and continuing to have greater business success. Uh, I'm curious, has that maybe shifted his view on retirement? Because I think you said he was kind of getting towards retirement age. So uh, I'm wondering now if, if, if given kind of this new approach to balance, uh, if maybe he's thinking about working longer. Yeah. Um, you know, I think actually it's, it's allowed him to work less with you know fewer clients, which is enabling him to realize he does, he doesn't maybe have to retire so fast, um, but that he can kind of scale out of it. And yeah. you know something kind of you brought up earlier. But the other thought came to my mind. Uh, you know his wife was a huge part of this. So you know um, you know women out there listening, maybe this is not your issue. Maybe you're not a workaholic, but you might be married to one. You might be married to the person who's really struggling and it, it, it forms, um, you know, a negative impact on your relationships, um, maybe even your, your finances um, and time away going on these vacations like Raul and his wife. Um, he, he would not be able to do this without his wife. His wife was a therapist, right? So talk about someone who's equipped to helping. Um, and knowing that she's tried, um, but involving her on the system, the make time method that I use, um, and just applying that and having her be that help has made all the difference in the world. Um, you know, I have female clients as well. I have others who are not, you know, uh, who are younger and maybe not towards retirement age. That's why I thought of Raul because this is more focused on retirement. Um, but uh, I have female clients who have have had the same issues with overworking and feeling the mommy guilt and 
really struggled with this. One of my testimonials on my website, she is fantastic. She's in the book. Um, and she dropped like 35 hours. Um, was able to be more productive in the time that she had golf more, be there for her kids, um, and really balance the working mother, you know, type of scenario because she was able to basically cut her time in half at work. Um, so it's, you know, it's living the dream right there. As far as what a lot of women want to be doing is working part-time and, and being there with their kids. So there's, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, but hearing her getting back to the game of golf, and she was some of a golf pro in college and, and really was doing fantastic there. Getting back to the things that she loves and spending time for herself, having this you know self time to recreate and to de-stress uh, has been life-changing for her. And it's been inf- incredible to watch and go through this process just by using the system. So, you know, again, if you're working, um, woman and you struggle with this, you know, there's, there's definitely, you know, some, some, um, concepts you can glean from the book, uh, that would help you. But also if you're married to a workaholic, someone who's really struggling with this, and I find this mostly with men, um, because I work with financial advisors, 80% are male. Um, but the, uh, the fact that you can be there to help and support him through that process is actually the key to long-term success. So you, you've mentioned a couple of times the make time method in the book. And, and clearly, um, you know, uh, we encourage everybody listening to this to go out and get Travis's book. We'll have details on how to do that uh, uh, here in just a moment. But um, Travis, I wonder if you'd be willing to share uh, maybe just a, 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 a glimpse or at a high level, um, maybe uh, give, give our listeners a little bit of a taste of the make time method, just so... Uh, just so they maybe leave this, uh, leave our conversation or walk away with some ideas on how they can uh, maybe start working on this, um, you know, on their own, um, you know, maybe while they're waiting for the, uh, the book to arrive in the mail. For sure. Yeah. So the make time method really at a 60,000 foot level is be productive at work or be productive during the time that you need to take care of tasks, right? Whatever your work is, if you're getting paid or not paid, doesn't matter. Be productive and then utilize the time you save on things that are more important to you outside of work, your health, your, your, your spirituality, your relationships, et cetera. And um, again, I'm a big believer in the values. So, you know, in the book, we dive deep into the values and I help you prioritize them through, through the system that helps you pit all 10 areas of, of life against each other to find out what are your highest priorities um, so many people say, get your priorities in order, but have you ever done that? Well, this is an actual exercise that I show you how to do to put your priorities in order. And then throughout the day, I have a system to help you be more productive by processing your emails, your task list, your messaging, your phone calls, your to-do lists, all of the things that you know are on your plate to do that day, whether you're working for money or not, um, they're they're costing you time, projects, um, you know, concepts that you're trying to help other people to, you know, to do. And my wife, she was, you know, took some time out of her busy day. She's a a mom of six homeschooling kids. She took uh, my oldest daughter and they went and and did service for six hours this morning, helping out at a, at a, at a a cannery to help um, can food for, for those who are struggling financially. 
And it's, it's interesting, you know, um, <laughs> when you're able to do these kinds of things and put those in priority and put them in an ideal calendar that you then keep track of and, 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 and care for, it helps you to be more productive throughout the day and you feel more accomplished. So that's, that's the big key is being able to then um, spend the time to create this ideal calendar. And on your ideal calendar, I suggest spending an hour a day processing all the things that need to get done. I, I introduce it in the three-step process of basically looking at the importance of each. And if you can take care of it in five minutes, do it. If not, if put it on your calendar to get done. Um, and the things that aren't really that important, find a way to get rid of them or delegate them or, you know, automate it. Okay. Um, and by so doing, you, you don't spend a ton of time trying to analyze everything that you've got to do. It's a very quick step-by-step process. Um, and then that last piece of having that accountability of involving your spouse, sharing with each other, what it is you value, working to support each other, having time together, date nights, um, and, and doing those things that really build up your relationship. Um, so it's not just about accountability, but it's building that relationship um, is really the, the missing piece in this whole balance equation. Uh, that, yeah, that's, that's great. Thanks for, thanks for sharing all that. And again, and again um, I, I can't encourage people enough. Uh, be sure to Go out and get a copy of, of Travis's book. We'll uh, we'll include details uh, on how to do that here towards the end of our conversation. Um, Travis, a couple more quick questions. So um, this podcast is uh, all about women in retirement. So I, I'm curious, um, though you're not a woman, clearly, um, when you think of the word retirement, what comes to mind for you personally? You know, I think one of the biggest things that come to mind, especially for women, is uncertainty. Right. Um, I, I understand. I talk every day, men, women, about their fears, about their goals, their dreams, their concerns. And, you know, in general, again, this is very generalized for this audience. You know, women um, tend to have a bigger fear of uncertainty. Men typically, again, we're talking averages, typically are able to take more of the risk. They're risk takers from a young age, and that's a good thing, right? It helps to kind of balance each other out. <laughs> um, but with that, um, the uncertainty, and I found that a lot of women, they really just want to know what's going on. And maybe not every single detail. They may not want to, you know, uh, geek out on a, the uh, an, analytical side of financial plan, but being involved and having say and being an equal partner in the decisions being made, I could not champion more. Um, and you know, again, being a financial advisor, being on that side of the table, and knowing you know what it's like to to have you know clients, married uh, clients who are struggling, knowing that uh, you know deep down side she may not be giving any you know <laughs> consideration at home in the financial matters. Um, kind of strikes me as a very you know sad point that um, uh, women who, who want this type of certainty should be you know understanding their financial plan and they should have a, a very you know big voice and, and role in how things are carried out because the reality is and I saw this a sad reality you know obviously 49 is a very young age but the reality is men die first <laughs> 
just how it is. And so if men die first, then women are left to pick up the pieces and go, well, what is this thing? What is this plan? Um, and in fact, I've seen a lot of research showing that as soon as a, a death in the family occurs and they've been retired, whatever, a lot of times women um, um, change and go to a different financial planner because they were never involved in the process in the first place. So they don't even know that person. They don't even have that relationship. So Russ, the fact that you are making this a, 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 um, a big part of what you do in helping women with their retirement, females with their retirement, um, is, is helping. Uh, I believe a lot, uh, this, the market, just the consumers in general. And I think what you're doing is fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. And, and I, um, I, I also appreciate your perspective on retirement, especially as it relates to women. And the statistic you referenced, which I've I've seen, was done by Fidelity a few years ago, and it said within um, within twelve months of the death of a spouse, uh, widows seventy uh, percent of widows will change financial advisors because, as you stated, a they either didn't have a relationship with the advisor, or b the advisor. Um, they, they feel like the advisor is condescending, uh, in, um, in his or her communication to the widow, which again, I can't even wrap my head around that, but, uh, but yeah, clearly there is a lot of room for women to, uh, be more vocal, have more of a voice, um, in, in the family's financial decision-making. So, um, so yeah, thank you for that. Um, Travis, this has been great. I, I feel like you and I could easily talk for another hour, but in the interest of uh, your time and our listeners' time, um, if there were one thing that our listeners could take away from our conversation today, what would you want that one thing to be? Live life on purpose. Don't be afraid to do the things that you know you should be doing deep down inside. We all have a mission in this life to accomplish, and we're either moving toward it or moving away from it. And the peace of mind, the true balance that is felt is when you're living your life with that purpose and you're, you're moving toward it because, uh, you know, it's, it's something that motivates you. You're not motivated by the fear of not, but you're motivated by the love of embracing who, you know, you are and, and your purpose. So if you have that purpose, fantastic work every day towards it. If you don't have that purpose, um, pick up a copy of my book. It definitely lays out um, why I wrote this about my father and 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 trying to help people all over the world really to um, to embrace this concept of better balance. You can get that at achievingbalancebook.com. You pay the shipping. I actually will ship that to you for, for free. I don't charge you for the book cost. You can get it on Amazon too and Kindle and such. Um, anywhere from you know five bucks to nineteen dollars or something. But um, go to go to the website, pick that up, and you know give it a good read. It'll be available on audio very soon. So make sure you pick up the audio version of it as well when you check out. But honestly, at the end of the day, Russ, uh, the thing that I would really instill on your listeners is live life on purpose. I can't think of a better better place to wrap things up. So, uh, so, so, thanks for for that, Travis. And just uh, just so people are clear, uh, give the uh, give the uh, uh, book website one more time. Yes, it's achievingbalancebook.com, www.achievingbalancebook.com. You can go to my website, Travis Perry with an A.com forward slash book. That's a, another you know linked route that you can go to, and it'll be right there. Perfect. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely include links to the 
book website, Travis's website in the uh, show notes for this episode. So people will have an easy way to, to follow up and learn more, get a copy of Travis's book and, um, and work on their own, uh, work on their own balance in their, their own lives. So uh, Travis, this is, this has been great. Um, anything else you want to add before we wrap it up today? I just thank you. And I hope that the, this has been helpful to those listening um, that I, I really applaud um, everyone who's, who's trying to serve this audience, you as well, Russ, who are involved to, to help women with their finances um, to be more of a voice for them. And, and just uh, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Well, well thank you, Travis. This has been great. Um, I know, I know our listeners are going to get a ton out of this conversation. So I appreciate you sharing your time and your expertise. Um, and thank, uh, thank all of you out there listening. Um, again, this is, uh, this is Russ with Women's Retirement Radio, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you on our next episode. It's Russ again. And before you go, I want to provide a brief disclosure. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of wealth care capital management.